This is Counter Stories, a podcast by people of color, for people of color, and everyone else. I'm Anthony Galloway, partner at the Dendros Group and pastor of St. Mark AME Church in Duluth, Minnesota. I'm Luz Maria Frias, Deputy Attorney General with the State of Minnesota. Any opinions and statements I make are strictly my own and should not be associated with my employer. I'm Don Eubanks, member of the Mille Lacs Band of Ojibwe Indians and associate of Dendros Group. I'm Halili, owner of the Other Media Group, Connor producer and VP of programming at Ampers. And so this is going to be one of our grab bag episodes. We've been spending a lot of time in our legislative wrap up and looking at some of the issues with all the slurry of bills that have been passed in the state of Minnesota that we have to go back and grab some things that are happening right now just to make sure we keep them in front of us. So you're going to come on a roller coaster with us as we have a conversation just like we sit in at the end of summer, as it is, uh, sitting on the porch or outside in the backyard, talking to our friends about the things that are popping up. I know one thing that rose to the top of my list, and Luce, you brought this up, um, that I thought it was powerful. It actually made it to our moment of black joy, um, uh, which we have every Sunday in our in our uh, worship service. We have a moment of black joy or a moment of history below the line. And to this year, or this past Sunday, we showed a clip of that final point that Coco Goff um, made to win the U.S. Open at Arthur Ashe Stadium. Um, oh. uh, an illustrious member of Kappa Alpha Psi Fraternity Incorporated. Mm-hmm. Just wanted to throw that in there. Um, <laughs> but we have a slurry of, of athletes, um, uh, athlete wins that have happened right now involving athletes of color. So y'all, I know Coco Goff wasn't the only one that had everybody cheering and shouting at their TV and calling their grandma and and, and tossing a few back. So uh, who are some of the other folks who were on your radar in terms of, of athletes, uh, athlete wins? You know, Anthony, um, when you mentioned Coco Goff, I, I just can't help but to emphasize she's the youngest American to win the title, the U.S. Open, her first Grand Slam since Serena Williams in 1999. Uh, incredibly at age 19. Uh, and then w- what's so powerful about her words after winning and then the other two athletes that I- I'm going to also mention is she thanked her haters for adding gas to her fire. Uh, her quote is, I'm really burning so bright right now, right? So it is, it gave me so much joy to see how she and Shikari Richardson that I'll mention a little bit and Simone Biles just completely pivoted um, how society, the media, and the naysayers were painting them, right? Going from this negativity to a complete positivity and owning that narrative that they're creating and not letting everyone else define who they are because of the negative comments. Shikari Richardson, her quote is, I'm not back, I'm better. Right. Hey, she just uh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> she just won the uh 2023 world uh champions in a hundred meter. She ran 10.65 seconds, beating her own record from four years ago when she was a freshman in college by 10 one hundredths of a second, which is amazing. Uh and of course, this is coming off of her being ineligible to compete in the last Olympics because she had tested positive for cannabis. Uh, she also won just recently uh, gold as part of the four by 100 uh, sprinters as well, right? So 
here you've got someone who society had really blacklisted, for lack of a better word, um, and she completely just redefined it, right, and redefined the narrative in the process as well. And then the third athlete is Simone Biles, the most decorated gymnast in the world of, of gymnastics, hands down, right? 25 <laughs> world championships uh, medals. Last month, she won her eighth all-around championship at the U.S. gymnastics title. And this is, of course, we all remember in the 2020 Olympics, she withdrew because she had the twisties. And the twisties is when you're in the air as a gymnast, mm -hmm. whether vaulting or on floor, tumbling or uh, bars, where you lose your sense of presence, right? You don't, your body and your mind are disconnected. And so at that point, they're the twisties and, and it, it's very, really unsafe. Uh, and she's the oldest gymnast ever at age 26. I mean, mm. this, this woman <laughs> is beyond the greatest of all times, right? Here, folks had thought 2020 Olympics, that's her last uh, shot. She, quote unquote, you know, was, was deemed to be not successful because she withdrew early, you know, and, and, and not complete, competed the four events. And then she comes back at age 26 <laughs> to do this all again. That, you know how we say all of this, in my neighborhood, we say, hey, we out here. <laughs> <laughs> she was out all kind of way. And you talked about black joy. I mean, I have incredible joy. You know, when we think about what's happening in the world with the historical weather patterns, you know, the earthquakes and the fires and the floods, this is the stuff to me that just gives me joy for all the reasons I've just stated. So that's my, my joy. You know, it's um, I'm I'm glad you brought that up because uh, my son and I were watching uh, Coco Goff's final point, and I've had this issue. It, it came up with with Coco Goff. Or we heard it all the time with Serena. Um, we heard it with um, oh the other sister who who beat Serena. Um, uh, she's um, uh, Naomi. Naomi, right? Naomi Osaka. Um, when Naomi Osaka uh, won and there was this interesting thing that was happening, and I'm so glad that Coco said what she said in those first news conferences, because right after she won, the commentator spent a split second going, and there she is, she won, and then immediately pivoted to, and you know what I like about, um, uh, you know what I like about Coco Goff? And I was like, you better not say it. My son can tell you, I was sitting, we were sitting together, <laughs> and I was like, you better not say it. She goes, I just love how humble she is. Oh, and I'm geez. like, hmm. yeah, whether she's humble or not, right? The moment athletes of color show any kind of, yes, I'm here. Yes, I'm good at what I do and stand behind it or show any kind of confidence or, or any of that stuff, they get all of these expl explainers, right? And we have the reverse of that where, where folks will, will comment on all the things that uh, comfort white sensibilities. Um, and you can't be proud and boisterous and like confident and stuff in, in this space. Um, and so they got everything to say when you when you show up like we out here, right? Uh, 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 Ms. Little Miss Richardson is the same way. <laughs> um, uh, uh, Shikari, Shikari Richardson is the same way. She, you know, as a sprinter, as a gymnast, like 
you you can't you don't do those things with timidity. You 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 go for it. That's that's these sports are designed. All out sprint is not a thing for you to sit humbly by. You you grab your skill and you move through. And she hasn't never been not humble. She's been confident. And yet people want to admonish and use folks against each other. So I love the same commentator because she had to comment on the after Coco's words and couldn't it, it, it removed the ability for 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 to to do this project where you try to um, you, you try to make the make it particularly athletes of color, particularly black athletes, um, try to black admonish women. or they're black, black women. female yeah. athletes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and the same thing yeah. happened with Arthur Ashe, right? And so at the, and she won at Arthur Ashe Stadium. You know, and I think yeah. those themes, while we're um, talking about these three athletes, and they were wonderful because I can still see. The look of shock on the Jamaican female runners when when uh, Kirk caught him right at the uh, right at the uh, end line at the end line and because um, she shocked him because Jamaica the Jamaican women had been dominating. Oh, they right? were smashing. They- <laughs> <laughs> and and, uh, no and and she caught him. But you know those the themes you know the themes that come up with that the the self doubt that we hear. I mean, not only imp- and, and for them, it's public. So we see it playing out. Mm. We saw it play out. I, re- I remember when Simone withdrew from some of the events and all the doubt it came uh, along with it, you know, all the negativity that, that was uh, directed her way. And then for her to come back now, and and not only come back and dominate, but um, but being one of the older athletes, older, and I say that with humor on my face, because how old is she? Twenty? How old is she? Twenty six. Twenty six years she's old. The oldest. I she mean, is the oldest. You know, yep. she's just she's finally old enough to rent a uh, to re- uh, <laughs> uh, rent a uh, car, right? That I mean, is one of the oldest things I've heard you say. <laughs> and um. But I'm just saying, you know, but it's, but as people of color, as folks of color, those are the things that we deal with day mm. in and day out as communities. True so story. what we see play out with these athletes are things that we have to deal with day in and day out in our jobs, um, everywhere we go. We are cast with that same self doubt. I mean, how you know, how many times have we shared those stories? I know I was told my dad taught me that in order for me to be successful, I'm going to have to do something twice as well as the white person next to me to even be on the same level. Yeah, I mean, that's just something that I think we all heard, or many of us heard um, growing up. So that's that's that same self doubt. I think is things that we've had to deal with in all our professional lives, just in our day to day life. I mean, when we look across the board, I mean, right now we're dealing with legislation that's telling us that we can't teach our history. Right, we're dealing with efforts to ban books that point out who we are that talk about our communities 
They're banning our books. They're banning our history. They're, you know, they're trying to, they're trying to, they're doing every, uh, the things that are happening in this country, I think, speak to that even beyond what we saw with those three athletes. And then, um, and even Deion Sanders, right? We saw that play out, you know, uh, with Deion. So I think this is a great topic because I think we all can relate to it. Well, not only can we relate to it, Don, but it also serves to inspire all of us, right? To say we can begin to just re-energize ourselves, recharge ourselves when we see that that level of success, grit, determination, and perseverance, and ultimately success, right? Because it's really easy to kind of begin to shrink uh, in your in yourself, uh, thinking and doubting yourself, right? And and listening to all the negative uh, messaging that comes your way. But it, it's these moments of victory, these mo- shiny moments of taking control of the narrative and not letting anyone else define who you are and what your success will look like, but yourself. And to do so on an international platform. I mean, all all three of these athletes uh, that I mentioned are all on an international platform. And I think that will really help uh, so many of us, I think, myself included, remain energized, you know, and, and looking forward to debunking all the negative stereotypes and, and messaging that is out there. Well, you know, that's what makes the wins so, so powerful for folks. I mean, we saw it when, when Suni Lee uh, won gold and we finally had folks being able to see themselves. It's almost like vindication for a lot of these things that are, 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 are heaped on you. Um, and in the context of several wins, I mean, just uh, just yesterday or today, um, the superintendent uh, in, um, uh, I think it was Yvonne Stokes in Hamilton Southeastern Schools uh, in, I believe it's Indiana, uh, was forced out. And it's one of the um, one of the comments that was made because the school board who 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 was elected in the last election came in. Um, and ousted this person because of her opposition to the banning of certain content in schools, which a lot of the folks in the platform ran on. And they they ousted they ousted this woman. And so you got so many examples around. And I just put that up as an example of the ways in which people of color are often ousted out of positions, whether it's political whims, whether it's because you make certain parents uncomfortable in the school situation here. Um, you know, there's all of these reasons why you are criticized, ridiculed, you're talked about, you, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. Um, if you show up too strong, you don't show up strong enough. You get hired for positions that ain't have nothing to do with like your talent and skill set just because somebody want to check a box. And then when you're unsuccessful, they blame you. So you've got loss after loss after loss or all these things of folks who have pushed and pushed and pushed. So when you see an athlete, <laughs> wreck come in, fully skilled, talented, and wreck shop, it's much more than just, hey, this person won. There's a lot more that that person vindicates for you. I also really just, I mean, Coco Goff just amazes me on so, so many different levels. Um, she collected her $3 million check and she, you know, gave props to those who came before her. 
um, to tennis legend Billie Jean King, who was one who fought for equal pay for for female uh-huh. athletes uh-huh. Um, in tennis. And she just she just seems like somebody who knows the history of the sport that she's playing, um, mm-hmm. knows the people who came before her, and she's so young and to be so insightful and talented. Like I'm just overly amazed by her. Period. Altogether, just amazed. And also, well, as we talk about athletes and and Minnesota athletes, Adrian Peterson is going to be on Dancing with the Stars. So you know, <laughs> we got we got that. You gonna go all the way to Dancing with the Stars? <laughs> we were just happy about all the wins, and now you're gonna bring up AP. Wow. He might, win. The he might win Dancing with the Stars. We never know. Yeah, he might based win. on what? Based on what? I have a feeling. I mean, this is going to humble Minnesota, us a lot. Minnesota was just a bus stop for AP. <laughs> he's not. He's not from Minnesota. No. I have a better that's, athletic. That's league. funny. Can, can we talk about if we can we add another win column? Because I just don't have a lot of uh, hope for uh, AP on, on Dancing with the Stars. Sorry, AP, but I got to see it. You first. might be eating your but, words a couple of months from now, Anthony. You, um, you realize that? <laughs> I, and I am happy to do it. I live a life out here that's ready to be able to there eat my. Words, a platter, and I ain't got no problem with it because my mama still loves me. Crows, my kids see, still love you me. Ain't, you ain't <laughs> but, dying to uh, eat a platter of crows. <laughs> uh, hey, nobody, I, I, nobody ever told me they could. There you go. Thank you, Don. <laughs> I'm here for it, but I ain't never scared of eating no crow. But, but um, I, 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 on the win column that we definitely have, you know, Please. I got to, I got to watch as the. Um, uh, the yes. statue uh, yes. uh, of Sunni yes. Lee was put up yes. on the east side, right? We've yes. got mar- we've got her these bust. markers of things. Yeah, her bust. Yeah, I think they, we got markers of of really cool wins around. And again, you know, folks will often ask that question: Why why you get so excited about sports? I was sitting at the dinner table and a family member had said, you know, um, I think we're 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 too invested in in basketball. We're too invested in and all these different things, you know, kids need to do other things. I, I got to add, you know, these are the same folks who, when Cassius Clay changed his name to Muhammad Ali and was knocking folks left and right, I got stories and in some cases pictures and in some cases audio recording of some of the same folks who will ask the question, why are we so focused on athletes who were shouting to the moon when Cassius Clay was coming up in there and knocking out, knocking fools out. So... <laughs> You know, there, there, there. I just think it's important to note that there is a lot more writing on some of the wins in any kind of way, but some of these wins where you get to be skilled, audacious, and handle your business and then deliver, um, is just a really good story that definitely gives a whole lot of folks joy. Um, I know Don, you may not necessarily agree, but in the hope column, I'm gonna put this next to Adrian Peterson because, according to you, the verdict has to be proven. But we also got Brother Deion Sanders coming on to head to, to head um, University of Colorado Boulder. Um, and they're two games in and so far, so good. But 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 Don, you telling us to to wait a little bit? Well, I mean, for, just for me, I, I mean, I don't get me wrong, I watch both games. For sure. All right. There's no way I was gonna miss Colorado against uh uh TCU, mm-hmm. right? And um, and to watch them, because that that was a a, a gunslinger game, mm. right? And Colorado came out top, 
And then um, and then I watched the Colorado-Nebraska game because they were playing a team in the Big Ten. Now, you know, Nebraska's heyday was decades ago, but, you know, they're rebuilding. They're rebuilding. They have a new coach. He's rebuilding that team. And, and Dion is a new coach, and he's rebuilding his team. But I think when you when you examine those two coaches and how they they are going about rebuilding that team, Dion did a complete 180 and brought in all new athletes. And his son is absolutely incredible. I mean, his his son <laughs> in two games. Is just is is kind of rewriting what it is to be a, a, a quarterback, a young, a young black quarterback in in college. But Dion's approach was to build that team right now. The coach at Nebraska is doing it, I guess, more of the old fashioned traditional way by recruiting students and then having to develop them in two or three years, and that mm. seems to be the traditional way. So I'm excited for Dion for what he's accomplished. What I'm waiting for to see is if that product will remain and how they do against the the meat of their, you know, the meat of their season that's coming up. So mm-hmm. was it a two-game flash or is this going to be a sustainable type approach? And for me, that's the only, I mean, because I think he's been quite successful and Dion's Dion, right? And right. No, and, and, and those, and, and I'm like everyone else, man, I watched that game because it was Dion and I wanted to see, <laughs> he, you know, he stepped up to uh, big time to Colorado Division One in conferences, you know, and so everybody in the world, I think, was, was tuned into that. Much and, like most of us were tuned in, and, and I'm just going sideways here a little bit, yeah. to Monday Night Football, right? I mean, a lot of us tuned into that because mm. Brett Favre left Green Bay and was taken over for the Jets. And so mm. the Jets and the Bills were playing. And so you want to talk about, you know, just two different results and then four plays into the game for – for uh Aaron Rodgers and and he uh, suffers a Achilles tendon. He tore his Achilles mm. tendon, man. And it didn't take much. I mean, when you look at that replay, so I don't know if that's you know. I think age has a part to do with that. <laughs> but you know, so so for the reactions, you know, the reactions were totally different. But but you know, I think that um, I think Dion has done a fantastic job. I'm just looking to see if that will work for the longevity of that team. Do you understand what I'm saying? So Yeah, yeah. So I got you. I got you. And 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 you know, I think it's I think it's smart to wait and see. Uh and there's a whole lot of folks now who are sitting in the hope space. And what I wanted to bring forward in that is, you know, as we think about end of summer and we think about where we've been and we think about what moments of joy we can grab onto, some of that is rooted in being able to see, hey, this is looking good. I'm going to, you know, for the first time, and, and, and I'm saying this real for real, I've had folks say for the first time, you know, that they've got some things to be hopeful for. And some of these wins and, and successes by these athletes of color are part of that repertoire. 
Absolutely. You know, the other part of, of what you're, you know, as you're framing this, Anthony, is that uh, Primetime or Coach Prime, as, as people are calling him now, right? Um, <laughs> yep. <laughs> he, uh, you know, he's a nonconformist, right? And so there was a lot mm -hmm. of negative messaging around him, too, you know, around his ability and, and all the speculation that he was not going to succeed. And and Don, you you alluded to this. I mean, the way he recruited the the athletes was also uh, in a very non traditional way, and and folks were doubting his strategy. And he, you know, he's proved them all wrong. And now he's got other coaches reassessing whether that old way is the only way or the best way. And let us not forget that. Uh, <laughs> Mr. You know, prime time also. Won, you know, or a he won Super Bowl titles. We all know that, but he he was in a number of World Series uh, as well. You know, World Series, uh, and he's the only athlete in 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 the you know in the in the world to play both in the Super Bowl and the World Series. So I mean, now, this guy is incredibly talented, but he's also an out-of-the-box thinker. And to me, that that's big in leadership. You know, I've been in, in management for over 30 years. Having an out-of-the-box thinker will result in, will get you results that people typically don't even anticipate. And people will underestimate uh, folks like that, including, you know, him mm -hmm. very publicly. And he's proven them wrong. See, that part right there, I mean, what all do you have to do, right? Like there's there's a line in a, in a movie that says lion tigers, mfing unicorns. Don't nobody want to see a black man make it. Like like there's there's a th this cat walked into high school and into college, um, starring on basketball, baseball, and football teams. We forget this in his origin story. That's right. To the point where they had to figure out which sport. He was gonna. They were gonna make him a star athlete in right, and so he had the pick of the pick of the litter. And but there was always this thing, and it's this motif that runs through um, these veiled references and stereotypes of, of of athletes. Right, if you succeed and excel as an athlete of color, then the next little veiled reference starts to become, uh, you know, doubts or, or or aspersions on your ability to to be to be a thinker, a to, to, to think strategy. Mm -hmm. It's it, it's a carryover of this Carl Linnaeus uh, um, uh, stereotypical view of of the Africanist as as um, um, ruled by animalistic instincts or caprice and and is is is, is bestial in nature. This whole stereotype that comes in there. And and so here you are. You have these folks who, right when he got into the coaching game, started to veil these little mm -hmm. references about his ability to be uh, to 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 be a strategic thinker, to do all these things. And then he had to show up and show out. How many other things do I got to prove before you give somebody <laughs> their flowers? Right. The way he recruited, and the fact that he succeeded at it, because he was recruiting for program that went 1 and 11 the year mm. before mm -hmm. so the fact he was able to recruit these athletes for sure to a program who was dead <laughs> last i mean that takes i mean you know i, I i'm thinking cuz you know i had that experience of going through recruiting with my son when he played 
when he ended up playing football on a college level. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and so I was sitting here just imagining having Deion Sanders sitting in the living room talking to my son about coming to Colorado to play football. And um, and the fact that he succeeded at pulling these athletes in, I think, talks, talks um, tremendously to Dion because you have moms and dads, and it's usually moms that are sitting in that, you know, I'm, I'm dead serious. You know, I, I happen to be in a, in a Fort Lauderdale for a meeting and the university of Miami was recruiting my son. And so I had the opportunity to stop on campus there mm-hmm. and they, they took me around, they showed me around, they sat me down, but then they looked at me and they said, well, you know, Mr. Eubanks, we're happy you stopped, but we know your son's not coming here. Unless Until mama signs off. <laughs> <laughs> so that meant Dion convinced a lot of mothers yeah. that he was going to take care of those boys and bring them to a winning program. So, <laughs> you know, I mean, so and having seen that, you know, so that speaks tremendous, I think, amounts to the charisma that that uh as Lewis calls Prime has. So I'll be I'll be watching. Colorado for the rest of the season. Uh, I've never watched a game by the Bison prior to that. <laughs> mm-hmm. it, it shows to the brilliance of the folks who are working on the ground on a lot of these issues. And sometimes we overlook all of the, the background uh, work that happens with that. And, and I think that's a, just, a, Don, you just bring up another example for us to look at that brilliance. And, uh, and But it's not just the athletic realm as well. We were getting wins in many different places. Um, it, uh, Hmong uh, fashion designers uh, were killing it in Fashion Week from here in the state of Minnesota. My see her Vu um, is an emerging Hmong American who vow- who wowed the local fashion scene with her um, collection at Fashion Week and uh, is showing up. Now, this is somebody who uh, works as an apparel designer for Target <laughs> during the day. Um, and then in her own, uh, in her St. Paul home, she uh, pulls out these designs that wows Fashion Week. So Hmong uh, folks is popping off at Fashion Week now, too. So like, if you're looking for other reasons to have some joy this summer, some some BIPOC or uh, I like this one, people of the global majority joy. Uh, <laughs> to, uh, <laughs> uh, there's some other reasons for it, too. Yeah, we had two designers. Um, she was one of them and the other was from Red Green Rivers in a collaboration with Ga Oscar Lee. And they actually had Miss Lao USA, Miss Laos USA, who was Hmong this year. She flew in to be a model. Dumb. For wow. New York Fashion Week, Asian New York Fashion Week. So it was highlighting all Asian um, designers. I thought that was so awesome. Although I, I kind of hate that it has to be like specific just for Asian. Like we can't be mainstream. We're only <laughs> invited when it's specific to our cultural group. Mm. You know, so. But I'm not trying to be a downer. I donated to the GoFundMe to try to get everybody there. But my my cousin was one of the models, and I know that they had a really great time. So I'm I'm so proud of all of them. We had so many local artists go and support and be a part of the design team. Um, And I just thought that was really great, you know, being thrown onto the, the national stage, even if it was during Asian week and not during the regular 
New York Fashion Week. Mm. I mean, so the the I think one of the important things here is is these moments of joy, regardless whether it's at sharing with the wind, and because all of us are, are come from collectivist societies, I want to lift up loose. You keep reminding us of this, right? That when when one of us wins, we all win, and we have that solidarity space. At least when we're operating in our best and home, truest home self, we know that in our current society, sometimes we adopt non-collectivist thinking in that regard, and it can be, we have our crab in the barrel moments. And so this is one where I saw folks across across the game and from many different walks, all like, yes, here we go, we can collectivize around this. And then what I loved about it is there were folks from outside of this of our communities who are beginning to understand how important any of these wins are and what the benefit that they can do are. You know, um, this past Sunday, I had about six or seven kids and sometimes every now and then the kids will come up and they'll come for prayer at the end of service and they'll say, what can you pray about? And do you know several of these kids, they're fine with me sharing this, I talked to them, right? But but several of these kids listed amongst these things, some of these wins that we've talked about already. And so, you know, when we think about what we can grab onto for joy, um, we, we got we to start thinking about the ways in which we can really, uh, we, we will take everything we can, including for the first time in a long time, um, and I'm sorry I did this wasn't on the list to talk about before, but it's popping into my mind. We have the first in our state's history moments of the state returning land back uh, to native peoples, right? We, we've got winds coming in all oh, the state. Uh, I can't remember which state park uh, land it was, but but we start, you know, and all the folks who were poo-pooing uh, land back as something that would never happen, uh, uh, native folks have gotten underground, gotten to work, and guess what? We getting st- <laughs> we getting small uh, uh, examples of land back happening. Uh, let alone some of the private land back agreements that have happened across the state. Minnesota is returning 1,400 acres of land to the Upper Sioux community. The land includes the Upper Sioux Agency State Park, which is located at the confluence of the Yellow Medicine and Minnesota Rivers. And the park includes ruins of a federal complex where officers withheld supplies from Dakota people. And the reason that I wanna lift that up is not only is land coming back, but but it's inclusive of, of areas that attempted to to to, uh, to withhold and, 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 and denigrate the very community that's now getting that land back. I think, I think so often we talk always about our struggles and we never get to lift up some of these wins. And so it's been absolutely amazing to be able to sit back and look, whether it's athletics, whether it's, it's you know, and we understand that there's so much more work to do and so much more land that deserves to be back to the original inhabitants. But at least we can talk about um, some of the ways in which these these winds come come in there. So something, again, that was seemed too far-fetched before is starting to show signs that it can happen. So even, even um, if it's not land back, although it does... I guess in one way include land is <clears throat> for the fact that the state of Minnesota finally right recognized the original boundaries of the Mille Lacs band right and that's huge because the state had not sided with Mille Lacs for years um and that kind of played out in our hunting and fishing rights mm-hmm. uh that went to the Supreme Court and and you know 
other other court cases that the band finds itself periodically involved with with the county of Malax, who's always um, always questioning the borders of the Malax band reservation. But the fact that the state finally recognized the fact that the band was never disbanded and those and there was never language anywhere that took away that the original boundaries. So so even if it's not getting actual land, I don't, well, I guess, I guess we could say those bound. Well, I don't want to say that because they, it confuses <laughs> yeah. people. Yeah. It you does get complicated. I mean? It does get yeah. complicated and it, and it confuses people, but you're right. You know, the land back acknowledgements are just that they're acknowledgements, but they're empty. And so for the state finally to, to step up and actually return a piece of land and it, you know, this was easy. Well, somewhat easy for them because it was a state park. It will yeah. be interesting to see what happens if it includes other parcels of land. Yeah, and and um, but yeah, that was huge. I think that was a a huge thing for the state to do, uh, returning that land back to the tribe. And again, any moment of being able to claim joy is is important. And we often overlook it uh, for the sake of many of our struggles on a day-to-day basis, you know. And some of these things are really important, especially as our, as we, um, well, I guess I'm the only one in here who has kids uh, of school age right now. But um, as we think about end of year, we also think about going back into school. And I know that my son gets to go back into school, popping his collar a little bit because he got into, thanks to the urban tennis program, got into tennis really, really, really heavily. And it was a thing that kind of has been part of his coming back after, you know, the COVID years of school, right? And he's latched onto it, found himself in it. He's watching the US Open. He's getting real technical. He's getting almost obnoxious with how much he's in <laughs> uh, to tennis. And Coco Golf wins and he doesn't say it. And this is the thing that I really enjoyed and it's giving me joy right now. He never said it. However, after school, and he's been finding all these different ways on his own. This kid has turned into a neighborhood bike rider, like I used to be back in the day. And you know, he goes, he goes up to the tennis courts, and he, you know, connects with folks. And he's he's played tennis, I think, every day um, for 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 a while. And he went real hard in the paint. And now he finds um, something uh, that now also has role models in there. Um, and this kid, this kid. This kid might might we might have to have some investments uh, to, to to follow this kid because I don't know that we're going to be able to afford uh, tennis much longer because he's getting to the level where tennis starts to get expensive and so we gonna have to mm. we may have to do some I might have to have Uncle Don uh, give him some birthday handshakes and Auntie Lou's come coming you know but but the idea. <laughs> Welcome but, but, to parenthood. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> it's also an investment as potential oh, scholarship, yeah. you know, tennis, tennis scholarship for, for oh, yeah. college, right? Um, or, you know, another institution. I mean, even, uh, you know, college prep high school, right, is you can come in with, a, a prof, you know, just proclivity, mm-hmm. strong proclivity for tennis um, and really, really uh, do well. So it, it could be one of these uh, investments that you make early on to make sure that he's got hey, some landing gear. Don't get it twisted. Here, Daddy uh, going to work every hour he can to make sure that we can, because because that going to get paid for. I ain't worried about that. Yeah. But what the, what I love about it is <laughs> is, and I think that's interesting to note that you know 
Sunni and um, Samoan are in a sport that is very expensive to start getting into at the mm-hmm. higher levels. Um, you know, mm-hmm. basketball and football mm-hmm. are much more accessible. Um, basketball in particular, and so folks gravitate to it. Thanks to kind of our park system in St. Paul, uh, you have access to tennis courts. As long as you got a ball and a racket, you have access. These are things that folks have access to that there's some level playing field. Now, of course, the separation always happens when you start getting into the elite space. That gets expensive, and y'all know this. Y'all have experienced that yourselves. But, um, you know, I think the ability to just take something you're joyful with and go and get it and grab it, right, as long as, you know, my son, you know, has run-ins with very – uh, privileged, self-righteous pickleballers who like to complain about the one kid, uh, you know, using up the still court. wants to play tennis. That huh? still wants to play tennis. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and so he comes home with stories like that. You know, but, you know, this is you can grab onto it, and you can. And uh, I'm joyful watching him have joy, and that's a benefit in of itself. Yeah, you know, I'm glad you mentioned the cost of of these sports uh our our firstborn and daughter was a very successful gymnast uh, she competed nationally and internationally um she never um ranked less than lower than second place on any national or international competition she won state all around in minnesota um not only was it expensive to travel to all these places it was expensive in terms of the program she was in but it was also costly in terms of time. Mm. I look back, my husband and I look back at those days and think, how did we do it? Because we don't have family in town. So it was always us trying to get her to and back from practice um, and then going for a weekend here or there uh, for her to compete. Mm-hmm. And it brought her a lot of joy uh, until it didn't. You know, <laughs> at the end of her seventh seventh grade, um, she was always the youngest one on the squad. She was younger by four to six years uh, than her teammates, and her coaches would have her do what are called bonus skills, which are the elite skills. And she was the only one doing the bonus skills on her team, even though the kids were that much older than her. Um, they didn't have the capability or, or capacity in terms of promise. And after a while, she just felt like it's not worth it. I mean, I'm trying to... Ha- Speaking for her, she was trying to have fun, and it it wasn't fun anymore when mm. she was carrying the weight uh, disproportionately for her age than her teammates. Uh, and then you know she walked away, then started track, and was equally su- <laughs> successful there, and and ended up anchoring uh, a winning team at, at the collegiate level. Uh, but no, I I I think it's really important for us to contextualize that it's not accessible to everyone, and that's sad. Mm. You know that is yet another disparity in terms of society that it requires folks who have uh, the financial means. It, and because you want to follow your kid's joy mm-hmm. all the way through and sail into the world. One of the hardest ones is is got to be Definitely. hockey. Um, mm. My friend Bao, her kids are in this organization called um, East Metro Stars. And this is a group of youth from... St. Paul, East St. Paul, Oakdale, Maplewood, um, kind of the whole area over here in the East Metro um, to play hockey. And they do these things of uh, try hockey for free events where 
people can come in and they will provide gear for young kids to try hockey to see if they like it. Because a lot of times, you know, your kid might express interest in the sport, but you're like, I can't afford ice skates or padding. And who knows if he's going to like this in two weeks, right? <laughs> After a few practices, who knows? Mm-hmm. And so there has to be these community organizations put together to help a lot of times the, you know, inner city youth of color to be able to even try out these sports, right? Like urban tennis. Um, and as much as we appreciate those programs, we also wish they didn't have to this exist is. just to give us equal grounding. Hockey is such a good example. And the reason I'm pausing is because I'm trying to pull a historical story. Um, my brain is not pulling them as easy as they well, used to. I'll pull one. But So thank lis- you. <laughs> listening to this discussion, I lived it. So mm. I played hockey up through my sophomore year of high school. I loved hockey. I loved ice skating. Um, I was one of those park rats, and we would be up on the weekend, Saturday and Sunday, at the crack of dawn, going to the ice rink, and we and we most times would beat the uh, park attendant who would come because if it snowed, they would bring those machines with the brushes on there and and brush all the snow off the larger hockey rink and then come in and do the or the larger ice skating rink and then come in and do the hockey rink last, we would be at the park with our shovels, clearing the the, uh, larger ice rink and then clearing the hockey Mm -hmm. rink so we could go in there and play hockey. So I did that as a kid growing up in North Minneapolis because I only lived a block from North Commons. So I grew up on uh, the cheapest pair of hockey skates because that's all we could afford. I in, in hockey, the top kind of top rated skates that my white counterparts had were all always CCMs or Bowers. And I don't think that name brand has changed. CCM or Bowers, but they were out of reach. They they, you know, hmm. I, I remember getting my hockey. Um, skates off brand second hand at a used at a used store i mean that's all mm. my parents could have could afford but i could i mean they still worked <laughs> you know what i mean they 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 I still mean, allowed me to skate exactly <laughs> but but that was back in the 60s and the 70s it's changed now i, I mean in order for kids to play hockey because um, a lot of parks don't have rinks anymore. It's hard to get ice time um, for these teams to practice. And when they do, it might be five o'clock in the morning or seven or eight o'clock at night. I mean, you know, and so it get, it gets harder and narrower for individuals mm. to take part in those type of sports, especially um you know, if your family's struggling to put food on the table and 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 maintaining a roof over your your head, like so many of uh, folks in our communities are are struggling with, you know, those type of sports become a luxury, and 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 so then you end up relying on the the 
the the free stuff, right? The the stuff that the you know I uh, my kids would have never known how to ice skate except um, they um, they started going over to I think it's Matt Groveland and a few of these uh, places. I think uh, Phelan is starting to, to to do it too, where they make the the the, the rink and then they the skates are free to go and use to go and just get you know ice skate around, learn how to ice skate and stuff like that. I think it's important to 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 call that out. You know, you you gave your yourself as as the historical example in there. I was thinking a little back further because in the 1920s, one of the first organized leagues in hockey was a, a black Canadian league. They were the first to organize an official league around the sport of hockey. It's an amazing story um, that many folks don't, you know, don't have. It only came to me uh, because of some, some uh, uh, a posting that somebody made. Um, and so there was a team, it's a, a Black History's uh, Colored Hockey Championship stamp uh, that, the, that Canada has uh, put out um, honoring uh, this the, the start of this, and so we 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 was in there. We out here still in the hockey game, <laughs> um, but I think that's a, that's an important thing, and it's something that we're starting to think about as we go into uh, this fall sports season into the winter sports season. Right? Who's got access? Who doesn't? Um, and in the space of trying to you know claim joy, we want to follow the joy of our kids, but for many of us, that joy has a barrier and sometimes it's a price barrier in many of these sports to continue moving forward. But, but, but still, you know, we're going to endeavor to do it anyway, because we want to give our kids the best, which is not a, a, a narrative that is always out there for us. And we often will hear narratives and stereotypes much to the, much against that, that somehow we out here not following your kids joy not providing for our kids not doing everything possible to give our kids uh the best and so you know in this space we have uh you know we have some challenges to keeping that joy going <laughs> throughout I think for for me there was just a lot of misunderstanding when i was younger and trying out winter sports and i think it's still the same with winter sports it is you know skis um snowshoes you know that those kinds of stuff are still you know, out of reach for a lot of people. I bought mine secondhand. So hopefully we'll be able to try those this winter. But when I was younger, you know, ours, I went to public schools in St. Paul and they made a point of like trying to get us outdoors and, you know, um, try different sports, try different activities outdoors. But the problem was, the problem was there wasn't always equipment to help us. So we would take a field trip to Afton to go skiing. We were told we were going to go skiing. Mm -hmm. My parents said, no, I need a snow pants. Oh. So, you know, I showed up in jeans. And by the end of the field trip, I'm soaking. You know, and the comments from teachers <laughs> I, are just well, like. <laughs> Kelly, you mean they weren't they weren't downhill skiing in, in uh, Laos? <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> so there's like this, you know, my parents were like, oh, we didn't realize that. And I was like, I didn't realize it either. And there was a lot of comments from teachers at the end of the day, like, well, you should have thought of this or your parents should have given you snow pants. And I was like, the only person in our house that has snow pants is the baby. And that's the same snow pants we all wore. You know, <laughs> see, I had a similar thing. I had to, I tried to go in the ski thing and didn't have the stuff I needed to. And I tried to triple and double up on sweatpants and they just got soaking wet too. And the <laughs> teachers were mad about it. Like I should have had X, Y, and Z. And I was like, yeah, okay. You got X, Y, and Z money. Right. Okay. Then 
These snow pants work for me for sledding. They're going to work for me for skiing. Go ahead and get out there and get We get We do get the opportunity, but we still don't have the access to make the most of mm. those opportunities. I was invited to go to Camp St. Croix as part of a leadership initiative in high school, and we were supposed to bring our own sleeping bags. Well, we my family only had like three sleeping bags. And so I put it in a trash bag. And I brought it with me. And I remember one of the adults, as we were unloading the bus, said, oh, we asked you to bring your luggage, not your garbage. Oh, wow. And I remember I was so I was so ashamed. <clears throat> it's huge. In that I moment. Wow. So a lot of judgment. Because I was like, well, we don't. Just because you don't have the right, same. Right. Yeah. We don't have the little carry yeah. bag anymore because literally this sleeping bag has been in the family for over 10 years you know and so we have the opportunity but we still don't have the access at least you had a sleeping bag we didn't even have sleeping bags we brought blankets <clears throat> and a pillow thank you can i flip this a little bit because yes there's that comparison to other folks but again right. we are some folks who find joy in all the things don't you ever don't ever think that I, that we that that ingenuity is going to be a barrier to participation because you know we've got some ways of working around the quote-unquote stuff mm -hmm. you're supposed to have and still make it mm -hmm. work i mean like I, I think that is an important piece to this joy reclamation stuff that we've been talking about in this grab bag episode in that, you know, we're going to find all these reasons for joy and those reasons don't have to be manufactured. Those reasons don't have to come with the best name brands. Those reasons come with us being able to collectively claim our joy. And I think that's an important piece, right? Uh, every time somebody wants to bring up all the negative things that we have, and we've got to be real about the reality of things in front of us. I'm not saying be delusional, right? But what I'm saying is we have equal access to the struggle and we have equal access to the joy. And we had to be able to claim those things in any kind of way, whether it's fashion week, whether it's athletes showing up, that's showing the world that we hear and we, we run in the, the show, um, or whether it's uh, the work that we do as parents to try to continue to keep our kids being able to search for their joy as they go throughout the school year. Regardless of how you are claiming your joy, even claiming the land back, right? Regardless of how you're claiming the joy, I need us to remember as we end this summer, we begin the fall and the winter space that we have autonomy and agency to be able to claim our joy. This has been Counter Stories. I'm Anthony Galloway, partner at the Dendros Group and pastor of St. Mark AME Church in Duluth, Minnesota. I'm Luz Maria Frias, Deputy Attorney General with the state of Minnesota. Any comments and opinions I've stated are strictly my own and should not be associated with my employer. And I'm Don Eubanks, member of the Mille Lacs Band of Ojibwe Indians and associate of Dendro's Group. I'm Holly Lee, owner of The Other Media Group, VP of Programming at Ampers, and Counter Stories producer. This has been Counter Stories, a co-production of the Counter Stories crew, and Ampers, diverse radio for Minnesota's communities, with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. For our full conversation, please visit counterstories.com.